unfortunately my parents couldn't be part of this recording um but i took great notes to talk about their experience coming to the u.s um and hopefully i do them justice in this podcast um but yeah let's dive right in So my father came to the U.S. in the 1980s um, from Thailand to escape the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia. Um, They came to Washington and settled in Ellensburg. Um, They didn't really interact with the indigenous peoples, but he remembers he was just surrounded by a lot of white people in a lot of, in a really small town. Um, And then my mother came to the U.S. in the 1990s from Japan, originally just to learn English at Yakima Community College, which is a sister school to her college back in Japan, um, but ended up staying after she met my father. Grandparents aren't um, U.S. citizens. However, my father and his siblings um, became U.S. citizens. Um, Although he was a U.S. citizen, since he was one of three people of color at the middle and high school he attended, he still felt very marginalized um, and kind of like an outsider. Um, and although becoming a po- American was important for him and his family, it was still also very important that his family didn't lose sight of their roots um, and their culture um, and just the history of what they went through in Cambodia and Thailand. Um, and then on my mother's side, she actually never became a U.S. citizen and she still isn't today. Um, she doesn't still doesn't really feel the need to obtain her citizen her u.s citizenship um she is a japanese citizen and she's proud to be part of her home country um but she's also happy that happy with her experiences that she has had in the u.s so far um and then in regards to school formal and informal schooling um, my father experienced middle school and high school in the u.s um but again he was in Ellensburg, which is a very, very small town in eastern Washington, um, and his differences were even more apparent than um, what he would have experienced in a bigger town. Um, he went on to get his bachelor's at Central Washington University um, and then moved to Seattle for work. Um, and then my mother experienced community college in the U.S. and through an exchange program with her home college in Japan. Um, But because she wasn't an exchange student um, and the college was aware that she was there on campus, um, they did as much as they could to help her with adjustments, such as uh, having Asian-based foods in the cafeteria she could buy or connecting her with other Japanese exchange students at the school. Um, So she did say she did feel like an outsider, but at the same time, they kind of brought her in and tried to make her feel um, as much as at home as they could. Um, And then she also moved to Seattle after meeting my father. Um, I wanted to talk about critical thinking and critical theory. Um, There's one quote from the article that I wanted to read here. The quote is, The knowledge we create is influenced by our experiences within various social, economic, and political systems. Thus, who we are, as knower, is intimately connected to our group socialization, including gender, race, class, and sexuality. I connected this to my family's experience. Um, 
They both came from Asian, different Asian countries. However, they did have different experiences once they came to the U.S. Um, for my father, he when he came, it was more about him trying to fit in um, and trying to assimilate to the U.S. culture, but also being a person of color in a school and community that was really completely all white. Um, he did have some difficulties in that adjustment. Um, whereas my mother, um, her goal in coming to the United States was just to learn English. Um, she was only supposed to be here for two years and then go back to Japan. Um, it was, it was supposed to be a good opportunity for her. Um, so it wasn't anything drastic like my father, how he came here to escape, um, basically genocide. Um, but they, even though they had different experiences, um, just being people of color in the United States, they also shared experiences in that people did treat them differently. They were always going to be outsiders. Um, and that still rings true today, um, because they don't speak perfect English. Um, they are looked out, looked down on, um, they personally don't feel confident in their English skills, which is really sad to think of just because they've experienced so much more than a lot of people have and um, simply because they can't speak the, the dominant language in a country, they're looked down upon and I think that's just... In the What and Why's article, there's a direct quote that mentions the purpose of social studies. And I'm going to read that right here. Um, Social studies is at the center of a successful school school curriculum because it is where students learn to see and interpret the world. It's people, places, cultures, systems, and problems. My father coming to the U.S. to escape genocide and finding a country that is supposedly more powerful is an experience many people experience. Um coming to school students didn't know why he was there what he experienced in the past um, what his background is um, and the cult- the curriculum in school only talked about U.S. history um, he did mention however that in a town that was all white um, and in his generation that was a norm and he never questioned it he just figured that was what you do in the U.S. If you study in the U.S., you're going to learn the U.S. history. You're not going to have to learn anybody else's. Um, And they didn't have the responsibility to talk about it, which is very, very false, as we all know. Um, In the education that he got, there is no interpreting the world or trying to understand anything outside of the town in the white-dominated culture. Uh, Both sides of my family... Um, immigrated to the United States. Um, Well, on my dad's side, his immediate family is all here in the U.S., whereas for my mom, she's the only one here, and the rest of her family is still back in Japan. Um, So they were definitely perceived by the mainstream American culture in a different way, and they were perceived as immigrants, um, even though they've both been here for 20-plus years. Um, Since my family came to the U.S., in the 80s and the 90s um the racial tensions that were very apparent during and immediately after the war was not as prominent um but still they stuck out because they were surrounded by all white people and only had a few people of color to confide in 
um, there wasn't too much support around people of color or too much community around people of color that they can rely on. And so, um, it, it was a strong force for them to, for them to stick by. Um, they were definitely perceived as outsiders and they didn't really find a community to fit in until my father's side of the family moved to California where there was already a growing Asian population. Um, but before then in Ellensburg, there really isn't too much diversity at all. And so the only choice he had was to blend in as best as he could. Um, when my father's side of the family first came to Ellensburg, um, the first Presbyterian church in Ellensburg was very kind to my father's family. Um, they helped with moving into their home, um, asking for donations for furniture for the new, their newly, um, asking for donations for their, um, furnitures in their house. Um, and they also taught them how to speak English, which was very, very kind of them. They didn't have to pay like a private tutor or anything. Um, these people did just come in and try to help. Um, speaking of languages, uh, my father's side of the family speaks Thai, Cambodian, and a bit of Chinese and French. Um, now they all speak everything all above and they added English to the list. So only the kids of the family mainly learn how to speak English. My grandparents still speak only a little bit of English. Um, it was difficult for them to learn a new language at such a late age without proper schooling every day. Um, and just the pressure of having to speak the language kind of, it counteracted in a way. Um, it made them not really want to learn the language. Um, and then on the other hand, my mother only spoke Japanese when she came to the United States um, and the small bit of English she learned in Japan. Um, when she first came to the U.S., she gradually became fluent in English, but she still fears speaking English in public due to embarrassment and not really wanting to mess up. Um, I see this on a daily basis. Like She asks me to talk on the phone for her or in public I'd be the person kind of talking even though it was matters regarding my mother um but I know that she could speak really good English she just doesn't have too much confidence in it and that has a lot to do with other people perceiving her as inferior just because of an accent that she might have but I know for a fact that she understands everything that other people are saying in her mind she is not inferior she's not um, any less than anybody else who speaks perfect English, but that's just how society has an outlook on her. In what ways have you and family members been oppressed or denied privilege individually and collectively um, regarding race, ethnicity, class, gender, religion, sexual orientation, native language, fluency, etc.? Um, so I wanted to read another quote from Agarwal Ranganath. Sorry for pronouncing that wrong. Um, but this was a really powerful quote that I wanted to include in this. The quote is, The importance of constructing parallels and connections between the past and the present is for students to be able to see systematically that entities such as racism and discrimination still exist today and are deeply influenced and connected to actions in the past. Um, when I read this quote, I thought about the importance of connecting the past and the present. When people think of racism, they often think of slavery, 
the civil rights movement and more recently mass shootings. Um, oftentimes people don't think about the small passes of racism people of color endure on a daily basis. But being Asian, my family members were always seen as outsiders. And although they weren't denied their legal rights, um, multiple things made them be never able to get into the in-group, I guess. Um, such as not being able to speak good English, um, always seeing, seeming lost in the do's and don'ts of the small town they ended up in. Um, like, even for my father, he mentioned that they were seen more as a charity case that people in town wanted to be a part of, um, but no one really got to know them. Um, and my dad was only looked at for his athleticism. And then in the school, academically, he was tracked into other paths from his white peers. He was never really set up for success in the academic world at all. Um, but today coming from an Asian family, I can speak to different experiences on a daily basis as well, but just for my parents, um, they are definitely looked at differently. You know, all the different stereotypes that Asian people endure, like um, bad drivers, or they should be smart in school, or good at math, um, or musically talented. A lot of times people think, oh, those stereotypes are good, so it's not really a bad thing. But all stere- in reality, all stereotypes are bad. And um, people don't realize that even the little passes that many people don't even notice could be very hurtful. Um, yeah. Moving forward... There's so much in the history of the, Amer- of the Asian people that isn't mentioned at all in schools. Um, we briefly talk about Japanese internment camps um, in history class. But again, um, I feel as though Japanese American or just Asian American in general and people from Asia, they have very, very different experiences. Um, but we don't really talk about the Asian experience in schools. Um, for example, in Cambodia, the communist regime, the Khmer Rouge, I've never once learned about the, the, all the history throughout my schooling years, um, not even once. So even though I went to a school district with a fairly large population of Asian students, it was never talked about ever. Um, and I find this extremely problematic Um, And I agree with Mary Cowie when she says that teachers should introduce perspectives that we never see or consider. Um, Her quote was that she introduces characters we don't usually see. Um, They explore perspectives we don't usually consider, listen to voices we don't usually hear to provide her students with more ways into history. Um, She finds, she helps them find their own ways to identify with active players in history. Um... Although I am Asian American and I was born and raised here, I do still feel very connected to my Asian culture and classrooms that have allowed me to explore that side of my identity has been very therapeutic and very helpful for me and um, being able to reach back into my roots and talking about that was very, very helpful. Um, But a lot of times this is not the case. It's not only for Asian cultures, it's for a lot of different cultures. And so there are just so many aspects of world history that is covered up 
by white history that paints itself as superior. Um, but we, ne- so we never get a chance to see the history or the backgrounds of different cult- other cultures that would be so beneficial for so many different students. Um, not just people of color, but also white students as well. It'd be so beneficial for them to hear different um, cultures and information about their, the cultures. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that we will continue to talk about critical family history and we'll be able to use this in our future classrooms as well.